0: Welcome to the Paradigms and Perspectives podcast. I am your host, Joe Simmons. And on this podcast, we talk about paradigms and perspectives and how people can achieve different results just by changing their paradigm and their perspectives. Let's get started with today's episode. Can you grow up to be poor as hell and then 50 years later become a media billionaire? Well, that's exactly what Tyler Perry has done. And on today's episode, we're going to talk about how Tyler Perry was poor as hell, became a media billionaire, and what are some key takeaways and insights that we can learn from him in order for us to pursue our dreams. I'll never forget how I got introduced to Tyler Perry. It was 2004 I was a junior in high school, and at the time, a good friend of mine who became my girlfriend, who is now my ex-girlfriend, uh, she introduced me to the stage play of diver Mad Black Woman. So we had her release from school, and we went to her house uh, to just go relax and you know, catch up on homework for other classes that we had together. And... Just like, hey, do you wanna watch uh, Tyler Perry? Now, at that time the name was foreign to me, but Tyler Perry was becoming pretty popular in the black community, especially with black female audiences. So I said, Okay, sure, yeah, we can watch it. So she she threw the DVD in and we started watching it. And I was kinda taking aback and I'm like, Okay, you know, you know, paying attention to the story. And then we got halfway through it, and then we had to go uh, run and do something else, and then we we were talking about, you know, what we had seen. But yeah, that was my first time, you know, hearing about a successful black creative in the entertainment industry with plays. And little did I know that eventually, you know, Tyler Perry was going to become a mogul, but... Yes, that's how I got my introduction uh, to Tyler Perry. Now, at the age of 23, and one year after graduating from college, after deciding that I would no longer use my marketing degrees to get a marketing job, I caught the filmmaking bug. It is a bad bug. Anybody that loves the film industry or anybody that wants to be a a filmmaker, it's like a, a disease that you cannot get rid of. And now 10 plus years later, I still can't get rid of disease. There are days that I want to try to put my creative pursuits down and try other avenues and do different things. But it always seems to come back up. So seeing the success of Tyler Perry, you know, this was the Spike Lee. This is my version of Spike Lee, you know, back in the day in the 80s and the 90s. And I thought about it. Hey. Here's a young man, he's black, he's successful, and he made it in Hollywood. He gave us the blueprint. Now, what is the blueprint? The blueprint was that, number one, you could write and direct. Number two, you could produce or hire producers. Number three, you can actually get it in movie theaters. Number four, you can actually sell merchandise, but more importantly, number five, you can actually own your own product. You can actually own your own movies and, you know, get great deals when it came to Hollywood. But the difference is you need to have a distribution deal and not a development deal. I'll say that one more time. In order for this to really work, in order for this blueprint to really work, you need to get a distribution bill versus a development deal. What's the difference, you may ask. The difference is this. When you have a development deal, which is usually the standard deal, this is usually when you're trying to pitch a studio or a financier on why your project should be made and the profitability of that project. So you're trying to get money from them in order to make it. Well, when you do that, they now own the product and they own first position in what we call profitable interest. So they have first first of uh, they have first position when it comes to profitable interest, which means that anytime there is profit, they get paid first. Typical Hollywood. Now, what a distribution deal says is this you put up the money to make the product. You just need them for distribution, which also for p which is prints and advertising. But, special shout out to Jerome Korshaw, who's a uh, distribution expert. You want to put caps. If you get a distribution deal, you want to put caps on your P&A, your prints and advertising. Because what could wind up happening is if you don't put caps on it, in Hollywood, we have what is known as creative accounting. Creative accounting is when a studio or an entertainment company finds these miscellaneous expenses and they're able to come up with these extra expenses on a budget sheet to justify the amount of money that they want to pay you. So, the and then so to stand, you gotta also be careful with the distribution deal too. This is also why you need to have caps. And this is special shout out to Mark Harris, who's an independent filmmaker, and he talked about this too on um, Film Courage on YouTube. So if you get a chance, you're more interested. Type in Mark Harris, Film Courage. Uh, Karen is doing uh, great work over there at Film Courage. But Mark talked about how. The distribution deal is used if you're not careful with the caps and you're not careful with the structure of the deal. You could actually wind up making 25% and the studio wind up getting 75% because the standard distribution deal is the 50-50 deal. But what they don't tell you is they and then they usually put a default 25% for uh, p and so, if you make any money 50 50, okay, 50% goes to the entertainment company. Then they have to recoup their PA budget, that 25%. And sometimes they don't even, most of the time, they don't even spend that 25%. They'll put up a couple of clothes. They'll do very little when it comes to marketing. But then they'll be making all this money from P&A when they didn't really do anything. So then you have the 25% for the P&A and then the other 25%, uh, well, the the other 25% will be called producer's gross. If you're actually a producer on the movie, then you have the producer's gross. But then you still have to subtract all the other expenses that you may have. So what winds up happening at the end of the day you may potentially walk away with three to five percent of the profits from the entire movie. So this is important. This is why you gotta understand. But Tyler Perry, which we'll talk about later, he was okay with you know putting his own money up, which wound up being, you know, strategic deal making. But yeah. Tyler Perry laid the blueprint for me. So let's see what happens. Imagination, which is very important. Tyler Perry always talked about how he had to have an imagination because he had a rough childhood. So he would go to different places in his mind. He would write stories, and he would, you know, create these stories as an escape for him to feel safe. But who would have knew that that imagination would turn him into a billionaire? Creative catharsis. Now, catharsis is a word is supposed to provide release or a release of stress or putting your mind at ease or supposed to be like a form of therapy. But this is creative therapy for creatives. And Tyler Perry said that he received his creative catharsis that he was inspired by Oprah. So he said, one day, you know, back in the 90s, Oprah's uh, show would come on. And I'm in an Eastern uh, Standard time zone. So for me, it was always 4 o'clock. How do I know? Because my grandmother was a big fan of Oprah. And in my household back in the 90s, Oprah had back-to-back slots. So from 4 to 5 was Oprah hour. So if I wanted to watch any television... Or any cartoons that came on. I had to wait till after 5 o'clock. Because from 4 to 4.30 was Oprah episode 1. And then from 4.30 to 5 was Oprah episode 2. And the thing about it was. Most of the time it was never the same episode. It was always a new episode. So I had one or two choices. I can sit there and watch Oprah. Which I did sometimes. Or I can go do something else, make sure my homework is done, and then come back after it's over and watch maybe one or two shows And preparation before my grandfather got home. And then when he got home, the TV was his, rightfully so. So, uh, yes, Tyler Perry said that he was inspired by Oprah. He was watching the show, and they was talking about therapy. And Tyler Perry mentioned that that's what inspired him to write. Which leads to him, which led him to doing creative writing. So, and he realized it was very relaxing. It was very therapeutic for him. So, he would continue to write and write and write. And before you knew it, he had notebooks filled with stories. Which later, he would turn those stories into screenplays. Risk taking. Especially when it comes to faith. You gotta have a a future vision. You just gotta believe. You just gotta have that faith that, or blind vision that, you know what, no matter what, I'm gonna try this. And I'm confident that it's gonna work out. That's the modern version of faith. But Tyler Perry had faith in risk-taking when it came to opportunity. He saw that there was opportunity. And he decided to put his best foot forward and said, if he get an opportunity, he knew that he was going to make the bust of it. He just knew it. And he had that one play that he wanted to start. He knew that if I get this one thing going, this is my opportunity. I'm willing to take this risk so that I can become successful. So what did he do? He consistently quit jobs to pursue his dream of becoming a playwright and an actor. He talks about how there'll be times where he'll just start a job. And maybe two to three weeks later, he'll tell his management team, hey, I need two weeks off because I'm going to go do this play. And they'll tell him, you just started. What do you mean you need two to four weeks off? You just started. he was like, well, I got to go do this play. And they used to tell him, if you leave, you can't come back. So he just wound up quitting. And he he went from job to job to job. But he was one to take the risk to pursue his dream of becoming a playwright and actor. Then also talking about risk taking and faith. He put up the plays for six years. And they consistently underperformed year after year after year after year after year after year. After year. Six consecutive years. But every single time, he was still taking a risk. He still had faith. Now I'll talk more about the, the opposite of that perspective later on in the upcoming segment. But for now, he had faith. He just knew it only takes one. It only takes one time. That's all I need is just one time. I'm gonna take this one risk, I'm gonna take advantage of this opportunity, and I'm gonna have faith that every going, everything gonna work out just the way I like it. Sacrifice, something that is huge, rest in peace to the late great Kobe Bryant, but he said, we all can have what we want, and we all can be anything that we want, but we first must sacrifice. And Tyler Perry was willing to sacrifice. He was willing to sacrifice his personal time. His recreation time. He talks about how he scraped together and he put together $12,000 that he got from uh, tax returns. And that's what he used as seed capital to launch his first play. He was willing to sacrifice all the money that he had in his savings in order for this one play to pop. Would you be willing to sacrifice $10,000 in tax returns for your dream? Not only that, he was also willing to be homeless and sleep in his car. He talks about how he was homeless for years. And he slept in his car. And he was willing to do whatever it took. He knew that as long as he had a roof... He'll get access to food, but the main thing was, as long as he wasn't sleeping on the street. And he said he had a small car, and he's, you know, over six feet tall. It was uncomfortable. He said a lot of nights sleeping, because he was so big and the car was so small, but he said he made it work. Another successful person that I think about who became successful in the entertainment industry, and that was homeless, was Steve Harvey. You know, same thing. Steve Harvey was willing to sacrifice his life for his dreams. Matter of fact, Steve Harvey gave the ultimate sacrifice. See, Steve Harvey sacrificed his family. He sacrificed time with his children, and also financial and also financial stability and intimacy and romance and everything and you know being a head of the household and a provider for his first wife so Steve Harvey had the sacrifice you know not spending time with his family and going through a divorce in order to you know achieve his goal so are you willing to be homeless Are you willing to sleep in your car in order to achieve your dreams? This one here is so important. Believe in yourself. Tyler Perry has a viral clip on YouTube right now where he's talking about, you know, planting seeds and then believing in yourself. Like he said, you have to trust your inner knowing. You have to believe when other people don't believe. And this is so true. But you got to be willing to take the first steps though. You have to take the first steps. Especially if don't nobody else believe me. You definitely have to take the first step. But are you willing to step off that ledge? And here's something that we all know. When you try something for the first time. It's always going to be uncomfortable. Uncomfortable. It will be painful when you make those first steps. But all you got to do is just keep going to get to the other side. Now that's easier said than done. It really is. I shared my struggles when I went through my mild depression on this podcast. From 2010 to 2012. It could be real bleak, But you got to find something positive. You got to have something to hold on to. This is also where that faith comes in. You just got to believe. You got to believe so much that you have to become delusional. That's how hard you got to believe. Not only that, people won't see what you see. Especially if you're a visionary like me. You really have it hard. But you got to be wanting to take the first steps. And then too, the, the, the second part of this. You, got to pursue, you have to be wanting to pursue your dream even when family and friends don't fully support you. I mean, the person that loved Tyler Perry the most, his mother. She told him to go get a job making 500 to $600 a month with good benefits. Your mother, the person that you love the most, don't believe in your dream. Now, like he says, he understands. She coming from the Jim Crow South. So, and also from... New Orleans, Louisiana. It's not like Louisiana at that time was flourishing. So she was going by based on what she can see and based on what she know. Because Paul at that time, getting a good job for $5 a month with good benefits, that was the life. But Tyler Perry saw more. And he tells a story about how later on in life, you know, prior to her passing, she said she... Thank Tyler for not listening to her and for pursuing his dream. You know, the last couple of years of her life, he got to be able to, you know, do stuff, do nice stuff for her. Got her a car, got her a nice house. She had a great lifestyle the last couple years. But yeah, you got to be willing to, to do it. Tyler Perry had no support from no family members. I know exactly what that feels like. Nobody fully supports you. When I was publishing my first book, Mad Money, I didn't really get no support from my family like that. Yeah, maybe little stuff here on uh, Facebook now and then, but I didn't really get no support. I really didn't. People looked at me like I was crazy. My co-workers were the same thing too. I still remember years prior when I told people that I was going to get in entertainment industry. And that I was going to be a filmmaker, that I was going to be a producer. They laughed. And yes, at this recording, I'm not there yet. But 2022, just like I said, I'm taking the first steps. I'm already in the process of right now developing my first screenplay. But the only person that matters is you. It depends on what you see and are you willing to take action. Like the the adder said, first, they'll tell you why you shouldn't do it. Then, they'll ask you how you did it. That's the person you want to be. So, I always look at it this way too. And well, a lot of people don't believe in what you see or believe in what you want to do or believe in your dream. That's actually great news. You may say, Joe, why is that great news? That great news because that means you own to something. And when you pull it off, everybody's going to be amazed. I go back to this too. Talking about how when I was at the financial services company, I was a quote-unquote mailboy, They had no expectations for me. Then as I started moving up the ranks and I started doing different things. It changed. I had a different dream. I had a different goal for why I was there. Like I said, first they laughed at me. Then they revered me. And the same can happen for you too. So no matter what, always believe in yourself. Go for it. If you fail, so what? At least you tried. At least you can say that. Instead of worrying about somebody else's opinion. And the reason I'm very passionate about this and I'm speaking in this tone is because I'm also speaking to myself. Because I know that I'm going to go back and listen to this segment over and over and over again. So as I'm giving you a pep talk, I'm also giving myself a pep talk. But also, believe in yourself. Be willing to sacrifice. Go broke if you have to. But believe in yourself. Go for it. Especially if you're healthy and you're still living and you're still breathing. Go for it. You got nothing to lose in all the game. You really do. Because you never know what might happen. You just got to outlast the pain. You got to outlast the obstacles. If you can do that, you'll get on the other side. And you can experience your dream lifestyle. This is another great segment. And it's funny. These lines are right back to back after believing yourself. But keep planting in the valley. Yes, that's right. Keep planting in the valley. Now, for all the Christians out there, we understand peaks and valleys. And we always talk about how everybody wants to be on the mountaintop. But you have to be in the valley before you can get to that mountaintop. And this is talking about planting. You got to keep planting. On those hard days, keep planting. The days you don't feel like it, keep planting. I get it. You don't see the results that you want and you want to give up. I've been there plenty of times. I'm going through personal struggles right now. But I try to focus on, okay, Joe, what can you focus on? Just keep planting. Just keep going. Yes, it's tough right now. But it won't always be this way. This, And I always think back to 2010. Because that was the worst time of my life. I hit complete rock bottom. That was the lowest I have ever been. Now, that doesn't say now. In twenty twenty-one I have my challenges that it don't get rough. But I look back there, not only that I think about mad money and those twelve principles in that book. It also those that's also part of a breakthrough formula as well. I think back, okay, if twenty twenty was the worst year of my life and I survived that, everything that I went through Everything that life threw at me. I survived. But I'm still here. That means that. 2021 and beyond. I can can keep doing it. So yes. Keep playing. Especially when you want to give up. I know it gets so hard at times. You be like why? I can't go anymore. I don't have any more in me. That's because focus on today. Don't focus on tomorrow. Because if you take care of today, tomorrow will line up. Not only that, that's anticipation. Yeah, you want to have a dream. Yeah, you want to have a vision. Yeah, you want to be thinking about the future. But you got to put today first. Because the things that you do today will compound to tomorrow. And tomorrow will compound towards your future. So, keep planting when you don't see the results and you want to give up. Not only that, Tyler Perry talked about planting seed and how you want to water that seed every single day. And he talks about how you should not try So many other career opportunities. Pick one. And water that seed. Because like he says. If you try to do multiple things. At a time. You won't have enough water. For all the seed. Then it won't allow for it to germinate. He talks about all the time. About how people in Atlanta here meet. How they'll want to get into the film industry. But then. They'll want to. Get into real estate the next week. And then the week after that, they want to be an attorney. And the week after that, they either want to be become a cosmetologist or a barber. Pick one and water that seed. And allow it to germinate. Continue to water the same seed. And this is a great message. And like I said, I'm talking to myself as well because I, I have a hard time at this too because I am a creative and I have so many ideas. I'm great at starting things. But that's another thing I'm working on in 2022 is finishing things. And I'm focusing on planting one seed right now. Just One. Because you think about all the opportunity. And you be like, I'm just doing one. I should be doing more than one. You no, know, one is important. Going back to Mad Money, I had that one seed. I wanted to write that one, but that was the only thing that I was working on. And I did it consistently. And in 33 days, I had my first draft done. But that's because I watered that seed every single day for 33 days straight. I just kept watering that seed. And the reason why he gave this context is because, getting back to that same video Tyler Perry talked about, from 1992 to 1998, he kept watering that same seed. And it wasn't producing no fruit. Like he said, 1992, failure. 1993, failure. 1994, failure. 1995, failure. 1996, failure. 1997, failure. And like he said, it wasn't until 1998 when it popped. He had six years of frustration. And like he said, he was doing one show a year. He was a renaissance man. Like he said, he did the lights. He would go sell the concession stand during the intermission. He would try to sell merch. Over and over and over again for six years straight. But what kept him going was promoters or people that wanted to invest in his show. Year after year. Because he said, after each time he did it, he wanted to quit. So that means he wanted to quit six times. He's kind of like 7-Up. On the seventh time, it popped. For those of you who are not familiar, quick story. 7-Up got his name because the person that invented 7-Up, he tried six times and failed. and On the seventh time, he finally got it right. Here's the reason why he called the brand Seven Up because on the seventh time he got it right. Seven is also synonymous with prosperity. But yeah, Tyler Perry said that he would do it one more time, and that's when it had it. It was a massive success; it sold out. He couldn't believe it. He thought that, okay, yeah, we told all these people, but ain't nobody going to come out. Because the first six times, nobody did anything. He said it was sold out. The lie was wrapped around the corner for the entire weekend. Now he had the blueprint. He moved on. But he kept playing in the valley. And I know it's counterintuitive. Because God, the universe, the big bang, whatever you want to believe in. It does not coincide with our natural logic. Your natural logic will be like, why am I planting in this valley? It's not growing. It's not producing nothing. It's taking too long. Why would I keep planting? The same way you're planting for that bamboo tree that takes five years to grow until 100 feet tall. Where for the first four years, you don't really see no growth with the bamboo tree. But in the fifth year is when it achieves 80% of its growth, same thing here. Keep planting in the valley. You will thank yourself. Your future will thank yourself. And we will thank you for the contribution that you've made to the world. Brandon something that is very very important not only that brands are the reason that you can survive almost any economic condition it are the brands that have the strong brand equity right now that are surviving and thriving in 2021 but tyler perry created a brand and it was brilliant and genius because he served an underserved audience, which was the black woman. There wasn't a lot of roles for black women. And Tyler Perry had seen that. And he grew up with black women all his life. So, he decided that, hey, you know what? I'm going to create these plays and these stories based on the influences from his mother and from his aunts. So, it was underserved audience. It was a hungry audience, too. So, now it's time to feed them. But also, part of building that brand was that Tyler would show love and appreciation for his audience. After every show, he would always give like a five to ten minute pep talk and just thank the audience for supporting him. And that goes a long way when you're building your brand. When your audience knows that you appreciate them, and you know, you're know showing love and support and appreciation, they'll continue to support you. And that's huge when it comes to branding. And then too, staying consistent. Consistently feeding your audience. Consistently giving them what they want. Consistently being there for them. And that produced a billion dollar brand known as Medea. Medea is all over the place. Just like how Walt Disney used Mickey Mouse to build the Walt Disney Company. Well, Tyler Perry used Medea to build Tyler Perry Studios. Sticking to a schedule. It is. Very, very important. This is how being and BNNs outperform the majority of the population. It's because, they number one, they have a schedule, and they stick to it. Tyler Perry had a road schedule. He was on a road touring in the South and in the Midwest, and he stuck to the schedule. He even said sometimes he felt like he overbooked himself. But there would be times, like he said, They would be on the road for over 200 days out of the year. Going from city to city, doing show to show. It was on the books, he stuck to the schedule. Another thing is too, and the projects came in on schedule. So it's one thing to have a schedule, but it's another thing to complete the projects on schedule. That is very, very, very important. Not only that, his projects also were completed on budget. Tyler Perry rarely goes over budget when it came or when it comes to uh, his projects. So, get a schedule and stick to it. Literally, that's what I want you to do. If you don't get anything else from this podcast in 2022... I want you to get a schedule or start building a schedule and stick to it as much as you can. Now, yeah, granted, things are going to come up. I understand that. But for the most part, you have a schedule. Stick to it. You want to schedule your way to success. I love this. Create your own. That's right. Create your own. You can try to do things the traditional way. But most of the time when you try to do things the traditional way, you're going to be met with opposition. People are not going to like it. Why are you coming in? Why are you trying to disrupt things? Okay, that's fine. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go over here and I'm going to create my own. And when you create your own, you build your own brand. Now you have power. Now that power can lead to influence. Especially if what you create becomes productive. And that's exactly what Tyler Perry did. But let's backtrack. Like anybody else. Okay I want to be an actor. What do you do? You got to go to Hollywood right? Because that's where the ash is at. So you go to Hollywood. So now mind you Tyler Perry said he went to Hollywood. He didn't really know. But he had Hollywood dreams just like most of us. He was under the radar. Under the radar. Nobody knew who he was. Now remember, he was a successful playwright and actor. He was on stage in the South and in the Midwest. He had made $98 million dollars. Before he got to Hollywood. I want to say that one more time. He had made 98 million dollars. With his plays. And merchandise. And everything else. And nobody knew who he was. So like he said. He was under the radar. They did not know who he was. The same way when I got it to the financial services industry. I was under the radar. So he had a couple of scripts with him. More importantly, uh Dire Mad Black Woman. And they wanted to make when he said well, when he went to studios and he met with executives, they wanted to make massive script changes. They had never seen a script like that. Not only that, it has a southern tongue, it has a southern dialect that African Americans preferably speak with especially since this was the the, uh, the genre and the market for this was the urban market or for the African American community so they wanted to make massive script changes then not only that they wanted to use some of their best practices on how they wanted to market the film and Tyler Perry even said that one of the executives told him that black church people don't go to the movies. He said that he was shocked that the executive said that black church people don't go to the movies because the movie has certain religious or Christian themes in the movie. And Tyler Perry was appalled and he politely said that he don't believe that that's true there's a lot of black church people or black Christian people that go to the movies, and I would be more than happy to purchase a ticket. So, what did he do? He met with Mike Persenick, who's the who. Is the president of production at Lionsgate. And he put up his own money. He put up his own money. They had a $5 million budget. Tyler Perry put up $2.5 million of his own money. And Lionsgate put up the other $2.5 million. And in 2005 they made the movie Diving Mad Black Woman. And uh, in an interview uh, with artist T.I., Tyler Perry mentioned that they asked Mike Pasenick at Lionsgate, so what do you expect the movie to do? And Mike Pasenick said, if it does 25 million, that'd be great. That's what we expect. We expect the movie to make 25 million. Well,. They made twenty five million in the first couple of weeks, and the movie wound up grossing fifty million dollars at the box office throughout its theatrical run. So here you go. They had an estimation of twenty five million, and Tyler Perry doubled that to. 50 million. Not only that, create your own. Tyler Perry talks about how after his traumatic and horrible Hollywood experience, he said, You know what? I'm going to go home. Went back to Atlanta and he set up shop. That is his home base. As he said in the award show, he decided to come back to Atlanta and to build his own table and that's exactly what he's done came back built his own processes now he has a massive studio with over 300 acres he's made over 20 films has 10 TV shows. But what I really want to talk about. Creating your own. And this is the deal that really catapulted him. This is the deal that really put him on the map. Because yeah. Diary Matt Mad Black Woman. Okay. That was good. But a lot of people thought it was a fluke. But when he did this. Now infamous 1090 syndication deal. Which. Um, yeah that's unprecedented I don't think nobody ever else would get a chance to um, get a deal like this. So, this is the backdrop. There was a time in the early 2000s where a lot of networks, they was having trouble with programming. They needed programming and they needed it bad because they, their advertisers was going to pull and go, go somewhere else. And you also had the dismemberment of the WB. So Tyler Perry wanted to get into television. So he shot the first 10 episodes of House of Pain. With his own money. He put up $10 million. He did a million dollars an episode. He put up $10 million dollars. And he shot these ten episodes, and everybody was calling around. And Mike Parsonnet told uh, TBS at the time, "They're like, hey, I got this guy. He just shot ten episodes. It's in the can. Are you interested?" They're like, "Yeah, let's see what it. Let's see what it's about." So they ran the pilot, and. They really liked it. House of Pain started getting um, House of Pain started getting great reviews. So Tyler Perry went back. Well, no, Mike Pasetta went back to Tyler Perry and said, "Hey, you, you're doing good." So he says, "Hey, I want a syndication deal. What is it going to take for me to get a syndication deal?" And they're like, well, you need 100 episodes. So he said, okay, well, I need 90 episodes. So he told his agent and said, hey, because every, now everybody wanted it. They wanted a bidding war for House of Pain. And he said, look, I want to make a deal. But the only way I'll make a deal is if I go to syndication. I already have 10. I need 90 episodes. I need a network that's going to guarantee me 90 episodes so that I can get the syndication and we'll have a deal. TBS was the only one that was willing to take that risk and to pay it off handsomely. And that deal made Tyler Perry $140 million. Yes. He put $10 million in and he made $140 million. That's a great profit. Great profit margin. And this is why I said at the beginning. That Tyler Perry set the blueprint up. So. The final word for this segment. Create your own. So you can profit. Off of your own. One thing that I like about Tyler Perry. Is that he's opened doors for others. Um, The famous actor. British actor uh, Idris Elba, he gave Idris Alba his really like first big big break, even though Idris Alba was on the wire and nobody really you know took him serious, and he didn't really uh, like uh, make a lot of money. But working with Tyler Perry and doing Daddy's Little Girl that really helped uh, set Idris Alba on his way into becoming uh, a great actor. Uh, Taraji P Henson had been in uh several movies. Prior to that was known for her role in Baby Boy. But she told me that Tyler Perry was the first person that actually paid her what she was worth. And I think for that movie she uh I could do all I could do bad all by myself. I think her salary was I think she said a half a million dollars at the time. So uh he opened doors for her. Uh, we all know David and Tamala man as uh Mr. Brown and Cora throughout you know all of the Medea series and even with the uh, uh with the spin offs of Tyler Perry shows uh he's helped them become millionaires and then also uh Christian Keys as well, who's now become a, a successful and sustainable actor in Hollywood as well so that's one thing. If you become successful, don't forget to open doors for others. Because it's not just enough for you to become successful, but you want others to be successful too. It makes your journey a whole lot better. Oprah Ownership. They asked Tyler Perry, what's the greatest lesson you have ever learned from Oprah? And Oprah told Tyler Perry... Make sure you own everything. Down from the cameras to the show, but make sure you own everything. End quote. Oprah Winfrey. And it's true. Ownership is the gateway to everything. You know, I had an idea for a course, but I'll probably now turn it into a book. Talking about ownership. It's true. When you're owner and you own something, you're able to make the rules. Not only that, you're able to to reap the benefits and the profits. From things that you own. Because you took the risk. This goes back to the risk and reward paradigm. That I talked about at the beginning of season 1. Of this podcast. And I think it was might have been episode 1. When I talked about paradigms. But yes. The key to Hollywood. Or the key to any um creative endeavor is to yeah is to own it in the music industry we call it own your masters in the publishing industry you wanna you wanna own the rights to your book in the film industry you want to own the film rights but yes own everything Or if you're in business. Own as much as you can. Or at least have some type of ownership in something. That is where the truth wealth is at. Is in owning intellectual property. And this. And Tyler Perry also remembered this. From his father. Because he talks about stories about how his father worked for a builder. As a construction worker. And the builder would make 80 grand on the house. And he said his father would make. $800. And he would be happy. And Tyler Perry would wonder. Well. Why are we not making the 80,000? Why are we only making the 800? And it was because. The builder. When they build the house. The builder owned the house. But once the builder sold the house, his ownership interest got cashed out in exchange for compensation. And he made $80,000 profit on that house. But Oprah also knew the importance of ownership as well. When she bet on herself, after her first deal was up, and she had the highest rating daytime talk, talk show television at the time. And she wasn't being paid that much. And she wanted to get more into producing. And owning it. And she fired her agent. And got another agent. And they didn't think nothing of it. So she took a risk. She bet on herself. But they gave her the rights to her show. Because they didn't think nothing of it. And Oprah became massively successful. One of the greatest Daytime talk shows of all time. And that's how she became a billionaire. So she knew the importance of ownership. So that's why she told Tyler Perry. Make sure you own everything. Because there's power, influence, and wealth when it comes to ownership. Collaboration, this is key. Everything is built off of collaboration. And Tyler Perry talks about his collaboration uh, with Charles King, uh, who is now the founder of Macro. And Charles King understands that too about telling different stories. About how he started as a mailroom at uh, William, William Morris Endeavor and worked his way up to becoming a partner. And then once he knew how the business was ran, he started his own firm, Macro. And Charles King, understanding uh, great black creative talent, you know, had a collaboration uh, with Tyler Perry to make sure that he was getting the deals that he should have been getting. Especially since Charles King was an insider for 10 plus years, working his way up from the mailroom to becoming a partner at one of the top uh, entertainment agencies in the world. Crew. Tyler Perry talks about how he loves his crew as a director. You know, your crew is everything. That continuity between you and the crew, you you, you, can't, you can't buy that. You can't replicate that. So he understood the importance of having a good crew. Then the actors, you're building great relationships with the actors. Most actors always have something positive and good to say about Tyler Perry. So he always tried to make sure he had great actors. The musicians as well. Even though he's also a musician and sometimes he writes the score uh, for his plays and for his movies. But Tyler Perry also has a special bond uh, with the musicians. The musicians usually have a great uh, experience as well. And then uh, the producers that he, you know, that he currently works with. Uh, Ruben Cannon and Ozzy Abreu who usually take care more of the uh, business side of things. You know, Tyler Perry produces his own movies, but like he says, the reason why he's a producer is more for uh, executive decision making when he's on set. When he needs to make certain decisions on set, you know, then that's when he, he exercises his producer role. But for the most part, he stays as a creative, and he let Ozzy and Ruben, you know, deal with all the the, you know, the business, technical um, Producing things. So he has great relationships with producers. Uh, assistant directors as well. Uh, them helping him. You know. Getting certain shots. Making sure they stay on budget. On schedule. Uh, one of the top assistant directors he had. Was a guy named Roger Bob. Who was with Tyler Perry for 10 years. And then he eventually went out. And started his own company. Uh, Bobcat. I think. Pictures of Bobcat Studios. I don't remember the exact name. And then uh, Tyler Perry also has a great relationship with the hair and makeup team. Especially you know him being 6'5", uh, playing a role of Medea. He spent a lot of time in hair and makeup. So uh, the ladies over there in the hair and makeup department, they have a great relationship. Uh, when I was seeing uh, behind the scenes footage of the show that Tyler Perry did with uh, Oprah called uh, Visionaries. And they were showing behind the scenes and the interactions between him and the hair and makeup. So, collaboration. You need collaborators. This is how things get done. This is why the teamwork concept is so important. Together, everyone will achieve more. Partnerships. Keyword, partnership. Meaning that we're equals. We all add something to the table And there's going to be more incentive for me to get more profit from this deal. As Jay-Z says, he doesn't do sponsorship deals or he don't do ad deals. He do partnership deals. Because he feels like what he brings to the table is very important. Not only that, he wants to be compensated for his efforts as a partner. And Tyler Perry understood that too. And... We talked about earlier a little bit about his partnership with TPS when he did that legendary 1090 deal. It was a partnership. And most of Tyler Perry partnerships are for distribution, which is smart, which is what I talked about in the beginning. The difference between a distribution deal and a development deal. When you have a distribution deal, you have more leverage. When you have a development deal, you don't really have that much leverage. So, you may be thinking, well, Joe, is it all bad? Not all, but some. Or, if you want, you can do this. Start off with a distribution deal. Or, what some producers do. Get a three-picture deal at a studio. So, you make three movies for them. Hopefully, they all become successful. Then, what you do is... You take some of that money that you make. You go develop your own project. And since everything is so slow in the industry as it is. Then what you do is. You take your own money. Go develop this this other project. Independent. From the three picture deal that you currently have. So then when that deal runs up. Now you renegotiate for a distribution deal. So now if your new project becomes successful, now you can make more money. But it's just like what Tyler Perry talked about again in the interview with T.I. When Tyler Perry was like, he makes his money on the back end. Tyler Perry says he pays himself the least amount as possible on the front end to get the movie going. But he knows that he owns the catalog. So, all of his money and the equity that he gets is going to be on the back end after everything that is already done. But like he says, it's the difference between eating for a little while and eating for a long while. And like he says, he wants to eat for a long while. So, he's focused more on the back end. But yeah, with the success of House of Pain, that allowed for other shows to be... On TBS. Then continuing too. With the Lionsgate. Partnership with Mike Pasternak. So Lionsgate is his distribution arm. So that's why you always notice. That every time a Tyler Perry movie. Is for the most part. uh, Going through. Theatrical distribution. Or in the theaters. That's why you always see that Lionsgate. uh, Lying in the background. And those gates. Because that's a partnership. And Mike Passionate was smart and he seen it. And especially after the success of the Diver Man Black Woman and with Medea and Tyler Perry building a billion dollar enterprise. That was a great and smart strategic partnership with Lionsgate. And then of course with Oprah, with you know, with them being great friends and Uh, Tyler Perry uh, being a mentee to Oprah Oprah launching her new network and then Tyler Perry created the Have and the Have Nots which I feel like is his best show is his best work Uh, you know they was able to make money together that helped Oprah get her network off the ground that made it somewhat popular as well you know until you know She eventually just sold it to the Discovery Network, which is going to be rebranded. But, you know, prior to that, it was a great partnership while it lasted. Well, you know, Tyler Perry had to move on from a business sense, but him and Oprah are still good friends and she's the godmother to his son. And then, of course, now with uh, BET Plus, where he's a shareholder, he's an owner. He's trying to make more like specific uh, black content for uh, black men and black women now with different shows such as Sisters and, 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 and Brothers and other uh, things that he has in the pipeline. And now that since he's a shareholder owner, I think he gets uh, $150 million every year to create new content for BET+. Plus. So Tyler Perry understands the importance of uh, partnerships. And I think this is smart, too, because uh, I remember one time he said that he wanted to create a network. Uh, and I'm glad that he went to, He stayed with the partnership route. I don't think the network thing would have worked out. I think uh, the network would have been a massive failure. And the only reason I say it would have been a massive failure is because Tyler Perry is only one person. And running a network and running the show and running the studio is, two totally, is three totally different things. And Tyler Perry is very hands-on. So for him to run a network and to, and to be managing multiple shows at the same time, I think that would have been very challenging, which potentially could have uh, led to a massive failure. But with him partnering with networks and him being able to give the love and attention to these shows, that allows for his shows to be successful. So I'll uh, end... Uh, This episode with the importance of partnerships, go out and get partners and create partnership deals. But also, make sure the partnership deal makes sense. Don't just do it for the money. Do it because the partnership makes sense overall. Thank you for listening to the Paradigms and Perspectives podcast. We really appreciate you taking the time out to listen to this podcast. We really hope that you got some value out of this podcast and that this podcast will assist with you changing your paradigm and changing your perspective so that you can live the life that you was meant to live. And we look forward to seeing you in another podcast episode. Thank you and have a good day.